Macworld Podcast number 28, February 10th, 2006. Welcome to another edition of the Macworld Podcast from the High Seas. This is Jason Snell, Editorial Director of Macworld, and I'm speaking to you from the MS Osterdam at the end of Macmania 4, the, uh, despite the number, the fifth Macmania cruise, where we uh, travel the oceans of the world on a big cruise ship and spend a lot of time when we're not in port hanging out with other Mac fans and teaching them great stuff they can do with their Mac. Today's podcast will feature a couple more interviews that I've done here on the ship. My first guest is Neil Bauman. He's the captain of GeekCruises.com, the organization that co-produces Macmania along with Macworld. Geek Cruises also does a whole lot of other events on cruise ships throughout the year. So Neil's got a really interesting job that allows him to see the world while putting on these conferences. I spoke to Neil in his beautiful veranda overlooking Puerto Vallarta, about seven, seven stories above the water. And uh, it was a beautiful sunny day, and we had a nice chat about Geek Cruises and how it got started and, and uh, where it's going from here. So, Neil, how did the, uh, the Geek Cruises concept begin? Uh, Geek Cruises began when, uh, as an idea when I took my first themed cruise. It was a Star Trek cruise. And um, uh, I came aboard as a passenger. I was uh, walking the halls, actually, of a Star Trek convention, and one of the promoters, advertisers, exhibitors at that convention was a cruise. I always wanted to take a cruise and um, had never done it, and this seemed like a great chance to sign up for something that uh, the kids would truly enjoy, and I thought that my wife would have a hard time saying no to. So we went on the cruise out of uh, Alaska the summer of 98, and the themed cruise idea was, to me, an instant hit. It was uh, just fantastic to be surrounded by a lot of uh, famous celebrities that you actually could sort of interact with personally. And it was uh, just tremendous to be around a lot of people that had the same passion and excitement about Star Trek that I did. And, of course, there were kids there, too, so my kids were able to hang out with kids of their own age again brought together through this this theme of the event and um while i was on the cruise it occurred to me that um i could create a themed cruise myself your first cruise wasn't a mac cruise though the mac cruise came later you started out with something even uh, even geekier than a mac cruise correct uh quite correct the first cruise was a cruise for pearl programmers we called it pearl world so uh we i created this thing and uh from there i did other technology cruises and um but i'd always wanted to do a mac cruise uh because that was always a passion of mine i bought my first mac in 1985 um but the the reason i was able to get the Pearl Cruise off the ground and some of these other cruises off the ground is because the markets were pretty small and well-defined. You could advertise in a, one magazine, and you could buy relatively small lists and direct mail, promote them with postcards. So it was a, uh, an easy audience to reach with the message. But I knew with the Mac Cruise that we're talking a, in an international crowd. And here in the States, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Mac users. So it was uh, an impossible task for me to... Um, to even think about trying to market to to the to the Mac guys, but um, on a, another Star Trek cruise, 
I uh, was sitting on a bus with John Delancey, who played Q on Star Trek. We were on an excursion together going to a, a vineyard in Italy, and um, he was pretty busy, and I obviously didn't want to interrupt what he was doing, but at some point he took a break, and he and I started chatting about the possibility of a Mac Cruise. I, he, I had seen that he was uh, using Macs, or he had seen that I was using a Mac, and we started talking about our Macs and how we loved them. And of course, the conversation of a Mac Cruise came up pretty quickly. And I told him, well, uh, it was really practically impossible without access to the, the market. And he mentioned to me that uh, he knew pretty well the editor-in-chief of Macworld at the time, Andy Gore, and that he'd be happy to make an introduction. And so following that, uh, that cruise uh, later in the fall, I guess, of 2001, I came to the Macworld offices in San Francisco and... Uh, course it's history since this is now we're now in, uh, enjoying our fifth mac cruise here i remember the first time that i heard about the cruise i thought well this is interesting and i remember talking to andy and talking to uh colin crawford who was at that time the ceo of mac publishing and we were saying well this sounds like a cool idea how many times do you think we could do this and you know the conversation was sort of well you know maybe 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 twice three times if we're lucky and here we are in the fifth one and there are plenty more on the horizon so you know, it definitely, from my perspective, has been an incredibly successful thing already. And, and we seem to, in addition to that, we, you know, we, we, not only do we get some repeat visitors, but we're also getting new people every single time. You know, it's um, a couple of interesting things about about uh, this. It, it, yes, we do get a massive number of new people each time. I would say it's consistently been about a third repeat cruisers on these things. Uh, and some of them, this is their third or fourth, in some cases even their fifth Mac cruise. But what I find most interesting in, 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 in talking about uh, you know how, how long will this thing go on, and I think that this is really going to go on for an extremely long period of time because of the community aspect that we build, but that seems to infect other uh, gatherings of Mac users. For instance, um, a couple of cruisers um, saw David Pogue in a Mac world, I think in January, and uh, David is going on the Mac cruise this summer to Europe. And told them, you know, guys, what, what, get off the stick here, you know, come, you know, get, join, join us in, in Europe. The fact that these guys had a personal connection with Pogue is what I think makes the past cruisers come back. That they're not just uh, part of a their user group community, but when they see these great people, these fairly famous speakers, up on the stage. There's, they have a personal identity with them, that it's not just David Pogue on the stage, it's, it's David Pogue, the guy I've cruised with a couple of times on the stage, so that when the crowd clears and they walk up and David sees them, he can chat with them personally and say, you know, uh, are, you, know are you guys coming back and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So I think that this uh, sense of, of connecting the users with the speakers and, and the authors that we have uh, really builds a sense of of belonging of community to the Mac people that attend Mac manias. So I see it uh, uh, growing because word of mouth of this effect will continue, and because these people are coming back and have such great things to say about not only the level and quality of education, but the personal time that they're getting with speakers. 
as well as personal time they're getting with friends that they've made that are Mac users from all over the world that they're seeing every so often when they come back. Now, we should say that although, you know, Mac Mania is definitely the thing that we at Macworld are, are the most focused on, you do a lot of different cruises, and some of them have some pretty interesting topics. I mean, we mentioned Pearl Whirl, and I know you did a, a, you, you've done some IT certification things, um, a chess cruise. Any topic that, is, that, that has an educational component and that um, people are passionate about, I think is a subject that would lend itself to a geek cruise. Um, you know, what makes a geek cruise different from other cruises is, is not only just the theme aspect, but what makes it really special is the the strong educational component. Um, and yet, yeah, chess is uh, truly has nothing to do with computers, really. Um, but it was an event that uh, I ran just a couple of weeks ago in the Caribbean, and it was exceedingly popular. The very first cruise had close to 90 people, which is a, a fairly large event. The next chess cruise will be in August. We're going to go to Alaska. There was um, a fairly sizable component of kids on that cruise. About a third of the attendee audience were 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds, um, which isn't really unheard of, I guess, in the chess world in terms of the educational chess world. I also do a Photoshop cruise, and I do photography cruises. Um, currently, I'm working on uh, an opera cruise and there are all sorts of things that I have done and, and will continue to do that affect people's passionate side and their desire to uh, enrich themselves, to continue to learn and, and grow and just um, uh, not just go on a cruise to sit by the pool and eat from the buffets. Yeah, definitely. I think that when you talk about passion, I think that that's the always the common thread in these cruises, people who really have a passion for something, and, and they're able to combine their leisure time and their vacation time with another sort of recreation, which is indulging themselves in the, in the, the topics that they're passionate about. This is a, a fantastic job, obviously, I have, and being uh, with people with their vacationing is truly a delight, too, because everyone's pretty laid back and pretty upbeat, and uh, obviously the cruise lines do a phenomenal job in delivering uh, a good vacation experience. And then when you add on everything that we're doing on top of it, you know, everyone is just smiling all the damn time. I mean, it's, so it's, so what's, what's not to love about this? Yeah, I think you're definitely getting all of us at our best, which is a pretty nice thing, a pretty nice way to live. Um, well, you know, Neil, thanks a lot for talking to me, and uh, I've got to say, I, I, I'm glad that we've already got five in the books and we've got more coming, and it's always a great experience, and uh, thanks a lot. Well, thank you very much, Jason, and I look forward to seeing you in your next Geek Cruise. I'll be there. You can get more information about Neil Bauman's upcoming Geek Cruises at geekcruises.com. You should definitely check it out. My next guest is another Mac Mania speaker, Leo Laporte, a broadcaster and podcaster that a lot of people know. He was once the host of Call for Help and the Screensavers on Tech TV. He continues to do Screensavers in Canada, but he also has started podcasting and has one of the most popular podcasts on the Internet, this Week in Tech, as well as several other podcasts, including a Mac-related podcast slash TV show. Um, Leo's a really good guy. He's been hosting the Ingenious Bar, which is our spin on Apple's Genius Bars, where a bunch of Mac experts just sit around in a bar, and uh, everybody has a drink, and we chat, and we answer questions, and we just have a good time. I, I spoke with Leo as the crowd for the Ingenious Bar was gathering in a, in a piano bar on the ship. 
And so uh, over the course of the interview, more and more people came until we had our first Macworld podcast studio audience. It was actually a lot of fun. So, Leo, how did you get started doing... Um, yes, oh. Leo and I are sitting in, in the piano bar on the Osterdam uh, having beverages and uh, waiting for our ingenious bar session to begin, which is a pretty cool idea. How did you get started with MacMania, and, and uh, what do you think about it? Uh, let's see, this is my third MacMania cruise. I'm not sure how I got started. I think I saw uh, on the Geek Cruises site the first MacMania, and I remember the pictures. Uh, and the one that's, that stuck in my head were all the geeks gathering to set up Wi-Fi in the library, because I guess at the time the ship didn't have wireless. So, um, and I just thought, gosh, that's really cool. All those guys sitting around and on a cruise ship. And I've always liked cruising. Uh, and then I met Captain Neil, Neil Bauman, the guy who does this. Um, and I think we had him on the screensavers. And he talked a little bit about it. Because it's a good story. I mean, it's just a good story anyway. And, well, I didn't get him on to angle for anything. But we had him on. He said, well, you should come on one. I said, you tell me where. I'm there. And that was uh, November 2004 was my first cruise. Mac Mania 3. Now, you mentioned the screensavers and... Uh you know, I was guest on the screensavers a couple of times, and I, I was on, I think, for a while, every week on Call for Help. And, of course, uh, Tech TV has gone away. But um, one of the things that I always appreciated when we were doing that was that, you know, you seem to be one of the, the few tech people in broadcasting who really seems to understand that there are two platforms happening at the same time. Well, I was in, I mean, I was into computers uh, in 1978 before there were any platforms. So... Uh, you know, I have don't, I don't have any sense of a loyalty to uh, one or the other. I mean, I got my first Mac in 1984, and you know, the first hundred days. But I got my first PC in 1981 or 82. It wasn't an IBM; it was a clone, so it must have been 82. Um, and I've used both concurrently ever since. I've always had a Mac, and I've always had a PC. Lately, ever since uh, OS 10 and the kind of the failure of Microsoft to secure its operating system, I've become more and more uh, of a Mac. Um, a proponent because I think for home users a Mac is a much better choice. If you're in business and you've got an IT department securing you and your applications are Windows centric, there's no reason not to use Windows. But if you have your choice or you are a home user, I think it's almost crazy to use Windows in the home unless you want to become a security expert. So about how much time, I mean, obviously you have to spend time on both platforms right. as well just to keep your chops up, but how, how much time would you say that you spend on the uh, on the Mac versus Windows at this point? Oh, when I have my choice, I'm on the Mac all the time. So my main computer is a, a dual G5, 2 gigahertz. Uh, my laptop's a PowerBook. I have a tablet PC, and I have several Windows machines, several Linux machines, and I use them probably a little bit, you know, as... But, well, for instance, uh, and I also choose to use the platform that's right for the job. So when I do audio editing for my podcasts, I actually use Adobe Audition on Windows. That's the best tool for me. So, um, you know, it's nice to actually have the choice. But, boy, I mean, all other things being equal, there's no question I'm a Mac user. And I always have been. So speaking of podcasting, you mentioned podcasting. You, you were a, you're a, not just a broadcaster, but a podcaster. And yeah. This Week in Tech is very popular. Um, you know, How did you get into podcasting, and, and what do you think its place is in the world of, of, of audio content, broadca- podcasting, broadcasting, and all of that stuff? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's the next big thing. I, and I don't think it's the flavor of the month. I don't think it's uh, you know, going to pass. Uh, I think it's actually a, a really exciting uh, trend. I think really what I was, was always excited about with um, technology was that it empowered end users to make their own content, whether it's Photoshop or Final Cut or podcasting, uh, people can make their own content. You know, when we got canceled on Tech TV, when G4 uh, bought it and you know put it out of its misery, 
um, you know, I was fairly bitter about how the corporate uh, world had handled uh, tech TV. I thought that they didn't stand by it. They didn't do it. They didn't understand what it was, and they didn't protect it. It should have been protected. So at that point, I thought, well, we really should be doing it ourselves. I mean, the people who get it and, and care about it should be doing it ourselves. And then along comes podcasting, and it's great. So not only do I do a bunch of podcasts, but, you know, we're something Tech TV would never do is a Mac uh, TV show. So we said, well, we'll do a Mac TV show, Mac Break, uh, over the Internet. And so that's the beauty of it. You can do what you feel good about, what you want to do, and if users listen or watch – uh, you can, I think, in the long run, we'll be able to make a living at it. Right now, right now it's all free and it's all volunteer. Um, but I think that advertising is coming. And uh, I think it, you know, not, not offensive advertising, but some small advertising. And I think it's going to be viable. You think that uh, users paying a little something for some content might be a possibility? Or do you think it's going to be more on the ad side? You know, I go back and forth on that. And I really have been looking hard at both models, a subscription model or a free model. And, you know... More and more, I think, for what we do, and I've, by the way, polled our listeners and talked to a lot of people, advertising is the way to go. Not offensive network or radio-style advertising, not what they call interstitials, ads that you you know take away from the show. You go away from the show and you listen to an ad for a minute and you come back. Uh, much more like NPR, public radio-style advertising, where we say, you know, pod- this podcast is supported by uh, Lexus. Make sure you check out the new Lexus IS300 at your Lexus dealer today. That kind of minimal advertising. Um, I think there's money to be made doing it. I think the advertisers are stepping up at this point and saying we want to do that. Um, NPR has received uh, quite a big parcel of money from Acura for exactly that for its podcasts. And uh, I hope that we'll be the next ones. I, uh, and I think we have a network of a size. You know, we have uh, 300,000 listeners a week, which puts us on the par with tech, b- bigger than tech TV ever was, as big as a medium-sized magazine, as big as a big cable channel. That's enough adver- uh, listeners and viewers for an advertiser to be very interested. So I think we're actually, I mean, I'm crossing my fingers and holding my breath and I'm, uh, you know, knocking on wood. But I think that we are in a position now, thanks to technology and thanks to Internet distribution, to create a, a kind of a grassroots content network um, that doesn't have a corporate influence, that isn't run by corporations, it's run by the people who make the content, and is direct drive to the listeners. That's exciting. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing. It's what every Podcasting is more interesting because it's genuine. It's real. It's not corporate. Now, I remember back in the, back in the day, and I, it's hard to believe that this is nostalgia now, but I remember having conversations with you and with Jerry Day, who was one of your producers who I went to kindergarten with, uh, who was at Tech TV, about doing a Mac show. And, yeah, definitely the perception was just that even though there would be viewers and it would be, you know, people would care and it would be a great show, that, you know, just in a corporate environment like that, nobody was ever going to say, yeah, the Mac is a relevant thing. But you're, you're doing Mac Break now, and I know people haven't heard a lot about it yet. I know you've got a... You've got a first podcast, video podcast up uh, about Macworld Expo. Um, I understand you've got some really great cameras, and you're, you're planning on doing basically a high-def TV show about right. the Mac. So can, why don't you tell the, the podcast listeners, since we're on our own podcast now, mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Just go to iTunes. Uh, we're in the top ten on iTunes, or go to MacBreak.com. We decided this one. You know, a lot of the podcasts we do are kind of uh, budget creations, right? And we thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to do one that's just that's actually better than broadcast? That's... That's the best you could do. Um, and it, fortunately, my, my production partner, the Pixel Core, Alex Lindsay, and his great group of people ha- have access to 1080i, uh, 1080p, not 1080i, 1080p cameras, the uh, Cine Altas. 
um, with incredible lenses, and so we can we have two of them, so we can actually shoot. And because we got the pixel core, we can have you know matte paintings. We can have th- this is going to be the most amazing post production. Now the first one was just a gun and run coverage of MacWorld, but watch as we ramp up. We'll still do low uh, lower quality iPod versions so that you can watch it on the iPod. But if you have the bandwidth and you have the machine to play it back, because most machines won't even play it back, there will be a 1080p version of this show. And we've got some great people on it. I'm very excited about it. You know, when Jerry and I and, and other people at Tech TV went to the uh, powers that be there and said, we got to have a Mac show, um, their response, bizarrely enough, was there's not enough advertising support for a Mac show, which kind of surprised me. I think really was that they didn't get it, and they were, they were embarrassed that they didn't get it. So they made up some Fakatka story about why they couldn't do a Mac show. Um, we, you know... We on the ground, we who produced the TV shows for Tech TV, always knew what the audience wanted because we dealt with them directly. Management didn't. So now that's what podcasting is about. People who, you know, we respond directly to the audience. If they like it, we do more. If we, they don't, we don't do it. I can't imagine a better way. The problem is, of course, there's no capitalization. So we have to, you know, right now uh, we're supported by donations from our audience, and they've been very generous. That's been enough to get us off the ground, to get us the infrastructure and the bandwidth and the equipment. I think we're going to have to move to the advertising model, but I think it's going to work very well. And I think uh, the networks should be a little worried about this, to be honest with you. I, I agree with that 100%. And I think that in some cases you're seeing networks being uh, using the Internet as a channel for their own programming. And I, I think we've started to see some, see some success, but definitely it levels the playing field a little bit. I, I love, you know, you, you talk about Mac Break being an HD, and I'm, I, I start to think not just I can watch this on my computer, but, you know, I can't wait for that first good HD download and stream right. device. And hopefully it'll be from Apple that, that'll let me watch anything, uh, including HD shows from the Internet on my HD. TV at home, right? I mean, we shouldn't count out the uh, the big content creators, the, the movie studios, the networks. They're going to be around for a long time. They can make the big budget shows. Look, nobody's going to make The Sopranos as a podcast, but there are a lot of very talented filmmakers, screenwriters, um, talent out there who aren't getting the exposure they deserve. It's the same situation with music. Um, there's so many great musicians out there, and as long as the music industry had tight control of how music got to the listeners, there was a lot of music that wasn't getting heard. Well, that's changing, and I think that's the greatest thing in the world. I'm so happy about that. It wouldn't surprise me as well if this becomes uh, a great way to for, for great talent that's out there to be discovered. Uh, the example I give people is if, if people haven't seen Tiki Bar TV yet, oh, which, right. you know, Steve Jobs mentioned it in his keynote and it immediately went to number one in the video right. podcast list. But, you know, but it's great and it's funny and, yeah, it's a little off-color, but at the same time, I'm, I, I, every time I watch one, I sit there thinking... Are the executives at the Food Network not calling these people up and saying we want to do tiki bar little tiki bar interstitials on our on our channel? I mean, it it, it it's like they found these people. Somebody should find these people because they're brilliant. Nobody would have ever heard of three people in some apartment somewhere without having uh, them do that video podcast. I think it's very possible. I would caution people that the end game is not to get discovered by a network and to get on the network and get in the movies. Uh, and for some people, that is, and certainly. Lala deserves her own, you know, feature film, but <laughs> and I'd be the first in line to see it. But high death, please. <laughs> yeah, but uh, really, the real merit of all of this is it isn't mainstream. It is niche, and there is a knitting, two knitting podcasts, and there are podcasts about every subject under the sun, and there ought to be. 
And, uh, you know, uh, my friend Doug Kay of IT Conversation says we want it so that every school board in the country has a podcast. So you don't have to go to the school board meetings. You can listen to them in the world. should. And it's so cheap to make podcasts. It's so easy to distribute them. This knowledge about how to make this stuff should be everywhere. And it's not so that you can have fame or fortune. It's so that you have a voice. And that, in the long run, trust me, as somebody who's worked in media for a long time, that's almost having control and being able to say what you want to say and being and finding an audience, that's that's the end game. Well, and, and as somebody who's involved with the Mac and always being on that 10% or 5% side of a, of a 90-10 split, I completely understand that, you know, right. like we said about Tech TV, it, right. getting, convincing people that the Mac is something you want to talk about is in, in a traditional broadcast um, approach is sort of not, not going to happen. Right. So, you know, it's great to see all the different Mac radio shows and Mac podcasts and your show um, out there because for Mac users, in some ways, it's the it's the only avenue. It's the first and only avenue for that sort of content. I'm not sure why, but there's a disproportionate number of uh, podcast listeners who are Mac. I would say it's more than half are Mac users. Whether they're more open-minded, maybe it's because of iTunes. I don't know what it is, but for some reason, uh, Macs and Mac users are w- much more represented in the podcast world. You know, I, you know, I, people sometimes say, "Oh, I wish Macs were nine were ninety percent. If it were reversed, at Mac, Microsoft were ten percent." I don't want that. <laughs> do you want that really? No. I th- you do want that. No. Oh, no. No. I think it's great that we have we have this special little uh, product that we know about and people who are you know really in, in clued in know about. You know the, the geeks who really know about technology love Macs. The people who don't like Macs, you know, the Windows bigots are just people who don't know any better. That's fine. They can have it. You know, let them have it. Well, and most of the bulk of PC users, I believe, are people who just don't care. I mean, they, they, for whatever reason, they haven't been exposed to the Mac. They just don't. They they just don't care, and the right. computer is a means to an end for them. And 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 the percentage of people who know a lot about both and 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 prefer and are, are bigots, as you said, it's so small that right. I, I don't think it even exists. No, that's true. Although I I do my best on my radio show and my TV shows, and I'm getting a lot of heat for it to tell. You know, these n- novice home users who are going out and buying Windows, it just breaks my heart. And, you know, I will hear from them in, in a month or two months saying, my computer's full of spyware and viruses. What do I do? They don't know what to do about it. They shouldn't be buying Windows. They should be buying a Mac. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about the iMac right now and having iLife bundled, which is such a brilliant yeah. thing on Apple's part because, you know, the Mac isn't even a computer to those people. It's an right. appliance. It's your digital cool. photo appliance. As it should be. You know, I, I get calls from people using Windows saying, well, I really would like to um, edit my home videos and make a DVD. And I, go, and I just go, oh, I'm so sorry because, you know, the process, the cost, getting this done on a Windows machine is just a nightmare. It does it out of the box for Mac. Touch. That's a big differentiator. Apple does not do, I have to say, a very good job of communicating the real and solid benefit. They've never gone after Windows. I think probably because they're afraid that they don't want to raise the ire of hackers. Uh, but they've never really said, we don't have any viruses. We don't have any spyware. But they don't. That's a pretty big selling point. I'm willing to you know, step forward and say it. And I think, frankly, that, that that's not going to be a problem even if they do get 20% market share. So before we go, uh, as we talk, it's 7 o'clock on the, on, on the Osterdam, and, and people are gathering here for the Ingenious Bar, which is basically a chance to hang out and talk to the speakers of, of Mac Mania and ask questions and just have a good time. Uh, you, you were, so you're the host. How do you like it? How's it going? I'll have another Tanqueray and tonic. <laughs> Light on the ice, Jeeves. And I believe this is the first time we've had a, a studio audience for the Macworld <laughs> podcast, which is a, which is excellent. <laughs> it's great. And by the way, a very well-dressed audience. It's a formal night on the boat. There are actually people in tuxedos watching us. 
That's right. Well, it's like the Oscars, really. It's our own little Oscars. <laughs> and when have you done this show in a suit and tie, I ask you? <laughs> I, yes. Now I wish it was a video podcast just so people could see it because, you know, take a picture. It, I, do, I do all my podcasts in my jammies. This is a whole new exactly. whole experience for me. <laughs> exactly. Well, I want to thank Leo Laporte for joining me on the Macworld Podcast, and I want to thank our studio audience. That'll never happen again, so that's awesome. So thanks, Leo. Thank you, Jason, and keep up the good work. I love Macworld Magazine. And that wraps up our podcast from the MS Osterdam, floating in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Mexico and on our way back to San Diego, California. I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast, and I'd like to thank my guests, Leo Laporte and Neil Bauman of GeekCruises.com. For the Macworld Podcast, this is Jason Snell. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll listen again soon.